morning. Thank you, thank you. I am going to try attempt to do a couple of things today, in a sense, uh, walk and chew gum at the same time, because I'm going to be trying to advance those slides while doing the same on my screen here, so get set here, okay. Awesome. So, um, my name is Wale. I, I think uh, I, I know most uh, people here. Uh, Wale Omoloju. I uh, married to my amazing, beautiful wife, Tara, uh, for almost 20 years. Um, we have three kids. Amber is uh, 17, Joshua is 14, and Sophia is 10. So, we are, um, needless to say, we're very busy all the time with lots of things happening. So today, um, the topic is on the screen, the call to flee from sin. Richard reached out a few weeks back and sent me a list of topics and asked me to choose which one I would like to talk about. It wasn't sin. It was definitely something else. You know, I, I picked two and I sent and I'll, I'll do Persevere or something else. I don't remember what, uh, what the other thing was, but this was definitely not one that I was uh, eager to talk about. And at least that's the way I remember it. And, uh, but here we are today. And Richard talked about perseverance already. Um, so we'll talk about sin. And God knows what he's doing because, of course, when you study something out, you, you have to uh, do some reflection and, you know, kind of look inward uh, and, and see where you are as you try to uh, learn this topic before you can even present it um, in, in what is hopefully a coherent, uh, inspiring and encouraging way. Um, I know it's been a busy weekend. Some of us had the MLK Day of Service yesterday. I, I heard it was great. Uh, I didn't make it out to that. Um, on Friday evening, some of the preteens and young teens got together. I got to stop by for a little bit, um, and and that was, um, I mean, that was fun. Uh, I know the kids had a great time, and I just wanted to shout out Adrian. Adrian was playing drums earlier. Um, now, you all know my wife bakes cakes, um, so I'm very biased. You know, I can't eat cake without comparing it to my wife's cake. In fact, most of the time, I'm disappointed. I don't say anything. Um, I eat the cake, and I just remind myself that all I'm doing is eating. It doesn't, nobody needs to know what I think, um, and, and I keep it to myself. Um, but his, he made some cheesecake on Friday. It was awesome. It was great. You all are going to be placing orders from somebody else very soon. Um, but amen. So we're going to get into this, and as we do that, I want to talk about there we go. Can I adjust this? Okay. I want to talk about um, just what sin is. But before we get into that, let's just pray. Our God in heaven, we come before you uh, just um, grateful, uh, Father, for how good you are. Uh, we're grateful um, that you love us so much. 
We're grateful for your grace, God, even as we talk about sin, uh, we're thankful that you do not treat us as our sins deserve. Father, today I pray that we can all be encouraged, that we can all be inspired, that we can all be called higher in our walk with you. Uh, Father, that our hearts uh, can be convicted, not because of me, um, God, but because of you, because of the scriptures. Uh, Father, that we can be called higher uh, in our walk with you so that we can better reflect who you are uh, to the world around us. Father, we love you, and we pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, we're supposed to be talking about fleeing from sin. And so I wanted to start by talking about what sin is. In Romans chapter 3, verse 23, uh, we have it here. It says, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, we're all sinners, and we're not, obviously we have some little ones here, and, and they're not um, the ones I'm talking about, although if you're a parent, you know exactly what I'm saying here, right? The inclination starts very early. You know, we start to see glimpses of, uh, sinful, of our sinful nature rear its head, uh, just in selfishness and, uh, and other things, deceitfulness that, that starts to come fairly early. But the point is we're all sinners, right? No one is exempt. There isn't any one of us that hasn't sinned. In fact, most of us, if not all of us, sinned this morning, right? And so if we're honest with ourselves, we see who we are. And, and it's not for us to uh, be condemned. It's not for us to feel bad. Um, but it's for us to be aware so that we can continue to strive what God calls us to. It, it says here that we, that all have sinned and fall short of God's glory. And I want to say a little bit about what sin means. There are two words I just want to share here and highlight uh, that define sin or that are used to describe sin in the Bible. Uh, there are several others, but I think these two pretty much cover uh, what sin refers to. And the first one in Hebrew is hata, uh, and that word is translated sin. That's the word we know, sin. It's um, from an archery term uh, that we probably all have heard before. It means to miss the mark, right? So when you're shooting an, an arrow, your bow and arrow, you have the target, and there's a bullseye in the middle, and that's your target, right? If you, if you, if you throw darts, if you um, shoot arrows, you know exactly what you're aiming for. And so in this sense, sin means to miss the bullseye. It means to, um, in, a, in, in a more descriptive sense, to step off the path. And what does that mean? Well, it's a failure on our part to fulfill the character of God. God has prescribed for us how he wants us to live, who he wants us to be. And when we veer off that path, when we miss that path, we sin. And when you think about that and not fulfilling the character of God, well, well who is God? And you can think about um, just the fruits of the Spirit and all the things that describe who God is. You know, we know that God's character is one of love. God is a God of peace. God is patient. God is forgiving. God is kind. He is unselfish and compassionate. And we can go on enlisting just all these great characteristics that describe who God is. And so essentially when we talk about sin and that word, anytime that 
we miss those marks. Anytime that we don't hit those targets, we sin. Amen? And it also says that we fall short of God's glory in Romans 3.23. Um, and, and God's glory really refers to God's invisible qualities being made visible. God's character being made manifest physically, right, in a way that makes sense that we can see and understand. And so we reflect God's glory when we live by his spirit. You know, and when we don't, when we don't reflect it, it says, I mean, what it's saying is that we are in sin. The other word is uh, iniquity. Iniquity, the Hebrew word is ava. And it's defined as something being distorted, twisted, or crooked. Distorted, twisted, or crooked. And essentially, again, God calls us to walk uprightly. Uh, and iniquity refers to a deliberate distortion of the path that we're supposed to be on. So we talked about sin being missing the mark, right? You don't hit the target. And we also are talking about it here as iniquity where we are actually doing something that goes against what God calls us to. We're actually going against him. We're deliberately doing something wrong. That's sin. That's what the word iniquity refers to. And so we see that sin comes in different forms. Um, it, it's either a failure to, to, to hit the mark or it's a deliberate distortion um, and disobedience and are going against what God calls us to. And I think these two words essentially encompass what sin is. And there are many other things that describe sin, talking about, you know, a, a failure to, to keep shalom or distortion of shalom and all that. But essentially when we look at these two words, we get the essence of what the word sin means. So in James chapter 4, and I've uh, projected, I think, just about every uh, verse um, that I wanted to share. So hopefully we can, I can make this go quicker and not too long uh, because I have several passages uh, that I'll be reading. James chapter 4, verse 17, it says, If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. So here we can talk about, uh, you know, some theological terms that I'm sure most of us have heard, sins of commission uh, versus sins of omission, right? So what does that mean? Sins of commission are the things that we do that are wrong. They're usually obvious. I mean, Galatians 5 says the acts of a sinful nature are obvious. And, uh, you know, lying, stealing, uh, and, and a list of other things, which we'll read Galatians 5 uh, later. Uh, but also then there are sins of omission, you know, when we uh, do not do the things that we should do. You know, and it says that it is sin when we don't do this. When we have, uh, you know, a, a moral or, or a legal obligation to do something and we fail to do it, the Bible tells us that that is also sin. And, I mean, I think there are many um, examples of this. Uh, for a biblical reference, Matthew chapter 25, I have on the screen there is um, one you can look at, the parable of the sheep and the goats. You know, and uh, think about omission, you know, Jesus is telling this parable and he talks about how, you know, he's saying to the people, separates the sheep from the goats, and he's saying to, to them, to the goats, and specifically we're talking about omission here, you know, you did not do all these things for me. I'm paraphrasing, 
and they're like, well, when did we see you naked or hungry or poor or blind or whatever it is and not do what you're saying here? And he says, whatever you did not do for these little ones, you did not do for me. So to get kind of the heart of sins of omission, you know, that's, I think, something that we can think of. You know, I, like many of you, um, I, I'm out all day, every day. I work long days, long hours. Um, I leave earlier because, you know, we have three kids and we have to do school drop-off and all these different things. And we're dividing and conquering and figuring out how to make things work. Um, recently, Tara has sort of convinced me that I need to be up by 530. I'm trying. I haven't been very successful. I think I've made 545. Um, just to make our mornings a little bit more seamless. The last time I did that, or with any level of consistency, was about 15 years ago. You know, I, <laughs> I had a rotation where I had to be in the surgical ICU, um, and they started around at 6.30, so I needed to leave home around 5.30, and I was getting up by 5. That was crazy. You know, some of you know back to those days, and we actually had an accident because I had my alarm, uh, you know, set very early, and, and, and one morning I was already at the hospital, and the alarm goes off, and, you know, because I was on a 24-hour rotation, and the alarm goes off, and Tara jumps up, and she's trying to get to it so it doesn't wake up our, our little daughter who's sleeping, uh, and she fell. It was horrible. Anyway, so I'm trying to get up early, we, and, and I'm, I'm gone all day. Most days, I'm actually fighting to leave work. I get out, and I'm trying to get home, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock. Um, and there are times, it's a little easier in the morning, but in the evening, going home, where I might see somebody who could use a seat. I've been on the, I have an hour commute, so after a few stops, at the very most, I get a seat. So I can sit <laughs> for most of the rest of my ride home. You know, I really struggle sometimes with giving up my seat. I mean, I, <laughs> it's, it sounds like something silly, but... You know, this is just what I was grappling with as I studied this and, and, and was thinking about, you know, what, what are some things that I, I should do that I don't do? You know, and you can think for yourself, what are some of those things? You know, I see an elderly person. I see a, maybe a pregnant lady. I see somebody who's struggling. Maybe they're walking with a cane. Whatever it is, and I'm like, ah, you want to sit down? But before I get to that point, sometimes I have to do a lot of wrestling in my mind to get to that point. And I don't always get there. I'm confessing. I don't always get there. But... What are some things you should do that are good, that serve, that meet needs that you don't do? Can any of us say that we don't have sins in our lives? Sins of omission. What about this morning? What have you done or not done that was sinful? I'm not saying this to make us feel bad. We do it all day, every day. But if you're a Christian... You have the Spirit of God. You are redeemed. You're saved. And the challenge is to live by the Spirit, not by the flesh. So that's what we're called to. And so we have to ask ourselves, and the title of the message again is the call to flee from sin. So why? Why should we flee from sin? Okay. Why flee from sin? Romans Chapter 6, get myself here. Maybe. Okay, Romans chapter 6, verse 12 and verse 13. says, therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body 
so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer any part of yourself uh, to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. You know, there are many reasons that we can come up with um, that should motivate us to flee from sin and to run away from it. And I just have a, a few listed here that I uh, was thinking about. And the first thing is we want to please God, right? I know I, I, know I do. It matters to me um, what God thinks. I want to honor him, um, and I want to please him rather than dishonor him um, and bring any shame on his kingdom. You know, sin is destructive, number two. It's destructive to us, just in our lives, and, you know, it often leaves a lasting legacy for future generations. You know, so you can think about, I know Richard mentioned something about um, alcoholism, for instance, on uh, Wednesday during the, the midweek lesson, how a lot of alcoholics come from alcoholic backgrounds, right? Their parents are alcoholics. So lots of things that we do repeat themselves. It's hard to break that cycle. Sin is destructive for us and for future generations. And so I, I want to um, flee from sin because of the influence that I have in part on my kids. Um, not because it's about them, but that is part of thing. That's something that I definitely think about, the impact and the example that we set. You know, sin leads to more sin. When you sin, it becomes difficult to stop, to do more and more things. Um, you know, for example, if you lie, you end up having to tell other lies to cover up other lies. And you tell more and more lies, and it becomes almost impossible. You have no idea what's truth anymore. You know, maybe that's you. Maybe that's somebody you know. When I was in, in, um, in elementary school, I had a friend in elementary school. We went off to different uh, middle schools. And then in high school, we ended up in the same place again. And we became close friends. I, I, I knew almost nobody at this new school. Um, so there was somebody that I had kind of grown up with. And so we became very good friends. We were close. But by the end of the year, everybody, including myself, didn't really want much to do with him. He just, he told so many lies. He knew everything. He knew everyone. He had everything. I mean, it was impossible. There was nothing you said that he knew nothing about. And it just became impossible. And when you ask questions, the it started to fall apart, you know. And nobody, nobody wants any part of that. Nobody wants to be friends with that person. Sin, lies, for instance, just they keep building on each other. And it becomes impossible to keep up. And it certainly makes it uh, difficult um, to have good relationships. Sin leads to shame. You know, it causes us to be unable to be open and vulnerable. We don't want anybody to know who we are. We don't want to be found out. We're always trying to, um, to, to hide because of the fears that come with it. You know, some of us probably were someplace last night that we shouldn't be. And, you know, sometimes people come to church on Sunday because they want to make up for whatever. You know, and that's not how God works. I mean, it's good if you're here for that reason. Hopefully, you know, our motivations change. But 
sin leads to shame, and there's no reason to put ourselves in those situations. We can fight against it. Number five, sin destroys our relationships. It destroys our relationships and it wrecks our families. You know, and, and it's a kind of what I, what I was just saying. You know, we, we don't trust. We can't trust um, because we're in sin. We, we, we can't be close to each other. Um, and it causes us to be insecure. When we don't trust that we're loved, we're always trying to earn love and acceptance. It becomes difficult to have good relationships. And, and lastly, I want to say just sin separates us from God. Isaiah chapter 59, verse 1 and 2. You know, the arm of the Lord is not so short to save, nor his ears to go here, but our iniquities, our iniquities, that word, have separated us from our God, and then our sins have hidden his face from us, so we cannot hear. Uh, sin separates us from God. If it reigns over us, uh, if we allow it uh, to rule instead of the Spirit, it ultimately gets us condemned to hell. And we have to fight against that. Amen? So I'll just read a couple of passages here um, we're, we're familiar with. In Galatians chapter 5, 19 to 21, it says, The acts of the flesh are obvious, sexual immorality, impurity and departure, idolatry and witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, and envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. And I'm not... We're not going to get into every um, word uh, that is described here or that is mentioned. Um, but I think it's easy for us, if we're honest with ourselves, to, to look here and find so many things, maybe even every single one, um, that we have uh, at some point given into, um, maybe even presently. Um, and, you know, the goal is to fight against these things. In Second Timothy chapter 3, I'll read here verse 1 to uh, 1 to 5, it says there will be, mark this, there will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I mean, these, they're, they're, there's lots here um, that we can look at and examine. You know, we don't want to be like the world. We don't want to be like the people who present as godly, but deny and, we, and, and not allow the power of God to reign in us. We've got to ask ourselves, where is my heart today? Where is your heart? What do you need to repent from? I mean, there are lots of examples here. There's so much that we can work on and change. But we have to really check ourselves. Oftentimes, um, I think for those of us who have been disciples, who have been Christians for a long time, we don't do a lot of crazy things, right? We don't, there's not a lot of outright actions that we do that are sinful. You know, we're good at hiding them. It's our, it's our hearts, Right? It's, it's our thoughts. It's how we view ourselves in relation to others. It's how we look at people. You know, it's the, it's, it's, it's the evil that we, the, the thoughts we, we fail to, to take captive of that are usually uh, the problem. 
I know that I'm a prideful individual. I don't say that with pride. Um, you know, I, I've, I hear it, and it's pointed out to me uh, oftentimes. I know that I don't want to see my weaknesses exposed. I, I would rather, you know, keep it, you know, and, and be seen in a certain light. Um, and I'm sure some of us can, um, can relate to this. But we can have thoughts of pride. We can, we can be self-righteous. We can think we're better. We can think we can do something better. Um, we can think that we're just so much better because of who we are. But we have to remember um, that our standard is Jesus, that it's not anyone else. And when we look at Jesus, we always fall short. We always have something to aspire to. You know, some of us struggle. We're, we're, you know, we struggle with jealousy you know, or envy. You know, there are many things, many attitudes that we have that are not spiritual, that are ungodly. And we have to really make sure that we're, we're really looking inward um, at ourselves and fighting against the sins that Satan is throwing our way. You know, in this church, and, and this is something that really drew me to this fellowship, and I've been a Christian now for 26 years. And it, it, it was just how serious people were about following the scriptures, you know, about following God, about taking their sin seriously and dealing with it. And we have to be people who continue to have that determination that I will not compromise when it comes to sin, that I will call myself higher. And, and not only that, I will, in love, call my brothers and sisters higher because we want to please God. Is that who we are? Or do we see things and just look the other way? You know, do we allow things to fester and grow? Or do we call each other higher, help each other draw nearer to God? We need to flee from sin because it will destroy us. Every day, every single day is a battle for our souls. There's a spiritual war going on. It's raging around us, whether we see it or not. But it's a fight for our souls, and our eternal destiny depends on us fighting and not giving up. We have to fight against sin and not allow it to reign in us. In Joel chapter 2, verse 11 to 13, this just got smaller. Starting to wear glasses. Harris said I should bring it with me, but I forgot. It says, the Lord thunders at the head of his army. His forces are beyond number. And mighty is the army that obeys his command. The day of the Lord is great. It is dreadful. Who can endure it? Even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. Rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. In the Old Testament, um, and we, when we look in the scriptures, you know, we see uh, that oftentimes when people um, realize that they had sinned against God and they'd done something wrong, um, that they would tear their clothes. That they, you know, and, and we see the reference, you know, about people sitting in, in sackcloth and ashes. She, she brought it. <laughs> Told you I have an amazing, amazing wife. It's like it's like seeing in high def. Like things change. I'm getting older. 
I'll put it on when I'm ready to look at the <laughs> small screen again. I don't want you taking any pictures of me with right, Steve. Like things are blurry. I mean, and I really mean that. You know, it's like first time I put it on, I was like, it's like changing from a regular television to a high def TV. It's like, wow, what have I been doing? Anyway. Rend your heart and not your garments. <laughs> you know, they would they would tear their clothes. It was a show of remorse. It was, you know, showing people and God that they had done something that they realized was wrong and they want to change. And here, you know, it says a couple of things. One, it says, rend your heart and not your garments. What God wants from us is not for us to have an outward showing of repentance. Um, it needs to be from the inside out. Um, it needs to be from the heart. And it needs to be that our hearts are broken about our sinful nature. Um, and that's what pleases him. It says, return to the Lord, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger, abounding in love. And he relents from sending calamity. If you're here today and, and you find yourself struggling and, and you feel like there's no way out and you feel like you're just so far gone, um, it's not too late. So long as you're here, it's not too late. We can always, we can still repent, we can still change. And remember, God is gracious. That's what he says here. He says he relents. He relents from sending calamity. The only way, though, for us to be saved from destruction is repentance. So we have to be willing to change. We have to be willing to repent. In Titus chapter 2, verse 11, there we go. It says, for the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, Upright and godly lives in this present age, while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So it's telling us that we, we, we understand that God is gracious. We understand that he forgives us, that he doesn't treat us like our sins deserve. But it's also telling us that the understanding of that grace is exactly what should motivate us to Stay away from sin. It's exactly what should motivate us to want to be better. You know, many of you have heard me share this uh, story before. Um, as a young boy, just, just under 10, with my brother and a couple of our friends, running, getting a head start, uh, one of our neighbors had a sports car. And so it was low enough that with a running start, we could just, you know, hop onto the, to the hood. And so we would do this. So you get a running start, run up the car to the back and back and down the ground. And we were, I mean, we were having a blast until we started hearing a crackling. Something was wrong. The windshield was broken. Now, we didn't know because the car actually had a canopy, but we knew something was wrong. And so, okay, guys, we need to stop before we disperse. Um, of course, when the neighbor comes in and, and get, goes to their car, they see this mess and 
it doesn't take much for them to figure out, probably some people saw us, uh, that yeah, some of the kids in the building were the ones who did this. And um, my dad came and asked us, and, you know, and we, we just fessed up, like, yeah, it was, it was us, and that one, and that one, and, you know, we did it together. Um, of course, the other kids lied to their parents and said they didn't do it. So their parents were like, no, no, my kids said they had nothing to do with it. And then, you know, so, but my dad um, decided, you know what, it's okay, I'll pay for it. And, you know, I didn't get what I was used to, if you know what I mean. Now, <laughs> I grew up in Nigeria. So we, we, we got all kinds of punishment, you know, uh, corporal punishment, as, as we called it. Um, but we didn't get a whooping. Um, my dad paid for it, and, and that was the end of it. And that probably did more to me to motivate me to not want to disappoint him or do something wrong that would bring any type of, you know, shame. Because unlike what I was used to, I actually didn't get the consequence. And so an understanding of grace should be a big motivator for us to not sin. Right? Because we don't want to hurt our Father in heaven. We don't want to disappoint him. We don't want to bring shame. Wow, it's been 30 minutes. I'm going to try to wrap up. In Romans um, chapter 6, verse 1, the Bible says, Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. Right? We died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Because we have grace should have the exact opposite reaction. We shouldn't say, well, he gives us more grace. So I, this is great. <laughs> Life is good. I can be wherever I want to be. God's grace covers me. No. He's saying we should have the exact opposite attitude because of God's grace. Amen? In Ephesians chapter 4, and I hope this um, will encourage us. <clears throat> Verse 20. It says, that, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, and to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You know, if, you, if I'm reading this right, and I think I am, it says that we are meant to be like God, that we were created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. What does that mean? And we understand that we have the spirit of God in us, right? And he's saying here that we are created to be like him. I think that when we turn to God, when we turn back to God, it really is more of a restoration of who we're supposed to be, to how God made us. When we repent, what we're doing is that we're allowing our flesh to be guided by the Spirit. And that's who we ought to be. We have the Spirit in us. It's there. It's fighting to do what's right. And our flesh is fighting against it. And so we have to get to the point where more and more we allow that Spirit to be the one that wins over our fleshly desires. You know, the body that we have is not that special. You know, I mean, there is, I don't, I know for myself, and, I, and for 
just about everybody that, that I know of ever had a conversation with, there's something we all want to change about ourselves, right? We want to be more perfect. Even the people that are looked to as, I don't know, supermodels or whatever, uh, bodybuilders, Mr. Universe, there's still another peck that they feel like needs to be a little bit better, you know, defined. And it's just never enough. We, we want now, it, our body's a temple. We need to take care of it. We need to try to take care of ourselves. Amen. I'm not saying we shouldn't. But the perfection that we should be seeking is a spiritual one. We have to be trying to attain um, a spiritual perfection, trying to be like the Jesus that is in us. That's who we have to strive to attain. And we can do this. The Bible says, and I have reference here, 1 Corinthians 3, or did I not times that? It says, we have the mind of Christ. And again, in 1 John chapter 3, verse 6, it says that we don't keep on sinning if we're in, if, if we're in him. And I've paraphrased these. Uh, but you can write those down and you can look at it. But we can actually do this. You know, God gives us the tools because he gives us his spirit. So we don't, we, we, we do mess up and we will mess up. We'll do things wrong. But God restores us by his grace. I became a Christian as a high school senior. And, you know, my only regret is that I did not become a Christian sooner. Because even then, as a 17-year-old um, becoming a Christian, before, yeah, before I turned 18, there are things that I had gotten into in the few years leading to that, that that haunted me for years. You know, there were things that, you know, like a lot of my struggles early on as a Christian were really as a result of the life that I lived. You know, the, the, the impurity, um, just the many things that I got myself into. And by the grace of God, these are things we can overcome. I know that a lot of these things are much less of a struggle than they were at some point. I have other struggles. <laughs> you know, we change, we evolve, we grow, but we're still sinners. But I'm saying that to say, you know, God allows us to fight these things, and we're able to overcome a lot of the sin and temptation um, that we face because of the Spirit of God that is in us. So I wanted to just talk briefly, and we'll um, wrap up in a few, 10 minutes or less, um, about how we fight sin. So how do we fight sin? First thing is we need to have godly sorrow about it. Um, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 10 and 11, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. See what this godly sorrow has produced in you, what earnestness, what eagerness to clear yourselves and um, can read it up all later, but we have to have a desire to please God, a godly sorrow, not just that we feel bad, but that we actually repent as a result of this. We have to have the determination to change because we don't want to keep hurting God. Second thing is we have to be open, be open and confess our sins. First John chapter 1, verse 5 to 10 says, this is a message we have heard from him and declare to you, God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. If we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. We confess our sins 
He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. We have to be open. We have to confess. And I build on, on this a little bit with the next um, thing here. It says we have to get help. James 5, 16, therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. We, have to, we, we can't happen in a vacuum. We can't. When I look at you, it's, that's a different story after you just read me. Um, we have to know what to actually pray for. If you're not talking to somebody, if you don't have friends, the disciples that you're confessing to that can pray for you and help you with your sin, um, you don't get that help that is available to you. So we need to. Uh, we need to be talking. We need to be open. You know, um, verse in Proverbs 28, it says, whoever conceals their sin does not prosper, but, whoever, but the one who confesses and renounces them finds mercy. You know, so now we see another uh, thing being introduced here. Not only do we need to confess and be open, it says we actually also have to renounce our sins. To renounce means to give something up. To renounce means to give something up to get rid of it. Um, and we have to, how do we go about trying uh, to renounce our sins? We have, to, we have to do a couple of things in order for that to happen. Uh, first, you have to know yourself. You have to know yourself. What causes you to stumble? What are my struggles? And, and then we can't be surprised when somebody brings it up or points it out. You know, it like, I'm like, what are you talking about? <laughs> like, like they're talking about somebody else. You know, I, in, in our, um, we, we, we get together, Tara and I, with a couple of other uh, married couples. Uh, we do some, what we call discipling time, just some time where we get to talk, uh, encourage one another, uh, sometimes share some of our struggles, uh, maybe deal with some of our, um, you know, conflict if we have anything, whether it's resolved or not. Um, and we encourage each other. You know, one of the things that, that has come up a lot about me um, is my tone. You know, it's, and it comes out of just a sense of, uh, just a lack of patience and pride. And Tara's like, you know, it's the way you said that. It wasn't good. It wasn't encouraging. You know, and I, I used to really struggle with her saying that. I mean, it bothered me. I would be like, and I said this, and I say jokingly, and we joke about it, you know, and I put up the guns, and I, and I, I talk about how terror has a secret weapon. It's like something to which I cannot fight. I can't come back. She says, that tone is like, well, I got nothing for that. But it's not a surprise. I know this. I know this about myself. And so why do I act like she's out to get me when she says that, you know, it's pride, I'm, uh, exactly, it's my pride, it's my arrogance, it's my lack of patience, these things come up, so don't be surprised when, when, when people point things out, but you have to also know what makes you struggle, and then you have to know how to stay away from situations that will cause you to stumble, stay away from those things. If you struggle, if you struggle with impurity, if you, you know, always having foul language in your head, what type of shows are you watching? Are you up late at night watching television or, or cable when you know the stuff that comes on is more and more suggestive, even just outright 
you know, wrong. How do we indulge ourselves in these things? It's only going to make you struggle more. You have to be mindful of that. If you, if you have sticky fingers, you know, if you just, you know, you know that you like to take things that are not yours, um, <laughs> how, do you, how do you keep from putting yourself in a place that causes you to do that? You know, I mean, it was somebody, uh, we were having something at work, and we're like, you know, let's all contribute. Then you shouldn't be the one to handle the money. Don't volunteer yourself. <laughs> Give me the money. No. You're going you're gonna to mishandle it. You're going to use some of it for yourself. Maybe you wouldn't, but, but the risk is higher for you that that happens. So don't do it. Don't touch people's money. Give them your money. I want nothing to do with this. How much do you want from me here? And stay away from it. You know, stay away from the things that will cause you to stumble. And the second thing is study it out. Study it out. If you struggle with something, learn what the Bible says about it. You want to build some um, biblical conviction. Um, see what God thinks about it so that you can know what you should aspire to. And then a good practical thing also is to study the opposite thing. You know, what if you're, you know, if, if being greedy is a struggle, then, then you want to study, um, you know, generosity, right? If you struggle with pride, then study humility. If you gossip, study wholesome talk. You know, look at, think about what it is, what it is that you're struggling with, and, and well, what can I learn? How can I learn something different that I can aspire to to help me change and grow from this. Amen? I'm going to wrap up here. In summary, we're all sinners. We understand that we're sinners. And it's important for us to, to, to fight sin. We have to be people who pray. Uh, Psalm 51 talks about, you know, God, uh, see if there's any offensive way in me. You know, ask God to really allow those things to be exposed so that you can deal with it because you want to change the things. You know, we have to fight. We, we have to want to rid ourselves, uh, rid our lives of the destructive influence of, of sin. You know, we want to live according to our flesh. I'm sorry, to live in our flesh according to the spirit of God that he has given us. And in order to renounce sin, I hope that we all decide that we're going to take a strong stand against sin, and always be getting help in order to fight Satan's influence in our lives. Amen? So as we take, uh, prepare to take communion, I want to just read Mark chapter 2 here, verse 17. It says, on hearing this, Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. And again, we're all sinners, we know this. Um, if if you've learned nothing else, I hope you've been able to be convinced today that you're a sinner um, and that we have some uh, desire um, to fight against that and to change and be different. But, you know, the solution to our sins is not really our actions. It's, it's the salvation that we have through Jesus coming and dying for our sins. And that's what he did. He paid the price for our sins so that we don't have to. Uh, he did that by shedding his blood for our cleansing.
So as we pray, um, I want us to reflect on um, who God is, on the salvation that we have, or that is available to us. If you have any questions about this, I know Peter mentioned this earlier. I hope you'll talk to somebody um, that you'll study the Bible. We're happy to open the scriptures and, you know, uh, teach. And, and even as we continue to learn and grow ourselves, I hope that um, we can be uh, encouraged and called higher in our walk with God as a result of this. Let us pray. Our God in heaven, thank you so much for being so gracious and kind to us. Thank you for your love, for your compassion, for your mercy. Thank you, God, for Jesus coming and dying on the cross for our sins, for the price that he paid so that we don't have to. Thank you that we have that salvation available to us. Father, I pray that we all decide to take advantage of it um, and look to draw nearer to you and learn more, more just what it means uh, for us uh, so that we don't have to be uh, in bondage to sin. Father, as we take uh, communion, as we reflect on uh, his body that was broken for us and his blood that was shed, let us be ever full of gratitude for your love, God, for your ultimate sacrifice, for your compassion. We love you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.